there was a man who was elderly, and um, he, was, uh, he was actually in the hospital when his son found out that this man had inherited a large sum of money. Well, the son wanted to tell his father, who was in the hospital, but he was afraid that the shock of it might cause further heart problems. And so he asked the preacher to go with him. And so the preacher went with him, and together they went to this old man's room in the hospital and said, uh, and, and the son said, Dad, you have inherited this large amount of money. And, um, and the man was quiet. He took it all in stride, it seemed like, and they were pleased that he was not it didn't cause him any problems. And then the preacher, to make conversation, said, well, what do you plan to do with it? He said, I think I'm going to give half of it to the church. Whereupon the preacher had a heart attack <laughs> right there in the room. We all want to be generous. We want to be known as being generous. Uh, but sometimes we don't know how to be a generous giver. Uh, this, this afternoon's uh, thoughts are to focus uh, us on how we can do that, how we can be a generous giver. The first thing we have to do, and, and you know, it always begins in the mind, doesn't it? We have to think like a godly servant. Everything we do ultimately begins in the mind and in the heart, and, and we need to think like a godly servant would think. If we want to be known as a godly servant, then we need to think like a godly servant. And a couple of things to think about along those lines is the fact that, first of all, God owns everything. God owns everything. You know, the Bible tells us that over and over again. His ownership is, is recognized throughout the Bible. You have passages like Genesis chapter 24 and verse 35, where Abraham said, The Lord has blessed my master, or the servant said, he's of Abraham, he's been blessed greatly. And uh, he has been given flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and camels and donkeys. And all of those came from God. He recognized that. Psalm 50 and verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills, he says. Everything is God's. First Timothy 6, 17. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so... We need to recognize that God owns, if we're thinking like a godly servant, we know that God owns everything, and, and His ownership is something that we need to recognize in a real way. It's easy to mentally assent to the fact that God owns everything, but He really does, even the things that I have. We mentioned yesterday that Proverbs 3, 9 is a game changer, because there He says, honor God with your possessions. All of those possessions came from him, and all of those he says, I'm expecting you will honor me with them. And, and, and understanding that God owns everything gives us balance in our life. Understanding God's ownership gives us balance in our life that we need. You ever feel like you're kind of out of balance? Uh, if we recognize that God owns everything, it gives us much-needed balance. For example, let me explain what I mean. If I understand God owns everything, I'm thinking like a godly servant, everything is His, everything has come from Him. When my income is up, you know, we have times like that, don't we? It seems like things are going well. The, uh, the bank account's up, the blood pressure's down, life is going well. 
when, when those times happen, I praise God and I faithfully serve Him without pride or greed because I know He is the source of my blessings. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, it is God who gives you the, even the ability to gain wealth. So when things are going well, I recognize that God is the source of those and, and I'm not filled with pride or greed. But then when things are not going so well, those times happen too. When my income is down, I understand still He owns it all. And therefore, I trust Him. And I continue to serve Him with what I have. And I expect, and I continue to expect, that He will continue to provide for me. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12 says, For if there is first a willing mind, we're thinking like a godly servant, if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. You see, God has given you what you have. And if we have a willing mind and we're going to honor Him with that, then that's truly enough. And thinking like a godly servant helps us to keep our materialistic desires in check. Um, you know, we, we live in a materialistic society. We have many opportunities to deepen our natural materialistic instincts. And as we mentioned this morning in class, one of the antidotes to that is to, to give and to give generously. And to think about the fact that 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10 tells us, among other things, that if we have food and clothing, be content. And you see, if I'm thinking like a godly servant, and I'm understanding that he owns everything, it helps me become less materialistic. Ultimately, materialism is a, uh, it's in stark contrast, it's a direct enemy of spiritual well-being. And so we need to make sure that we understand that God gives us the blessings we have and that He wants us to make good choices with them. This is why what we talked about yesterday is so important. Pleasing God with our resources is not just about what do we give, it's also about how do we manage. By the way, those two are related. They are all part of being a good steward. And so if we want to... Um, Think like a godly servant. We have to understand that you can't serve God and money. Uh, Jesus said that, didn't he? Why do you think he said that? Because people then battled the same thing, right? We didn't come up with materialism. We, I wouldn't say we have even perfected it. We struggle with it just like everybody who's ever lived with, with has done so. And Jesus said you can't serve God and money. Now, you've heard it said that you can't take it with you, right? And, and you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, right? The hearse doesn't do that because you can't take it with you. Uh, and so we shouldn't lay up for ourselves treasures on earth and, and um, where the moth and the rust and the thieves are a reality. Instead, instead, lay up treasures in heaven. And so the first thing we need to do if we're going to be a generous giver is to think like a godly servant. The second thing, though, we need to do is to act like a trusted manager. 
we're, we're, we've begun with the thought and then the mind, the thinking like a godly servant, but now we need to act like a trusted manager. The steward was a manager of someone else's resources, and, um, and that person understood the, the seriousness of being wise with someone else's resources. And, you know, right thinking leads to right actions. Once we begin to think like a godly servant, then we will know how to act like a trusted manager because our money and our hearts are tied together. You ever considered that? Jesus said it right, didn't he? Where your heart is, there will what? Your treasure be also. Our hearts and our money are tied together. So, let me think about this. If, if our heart and our treasure are tied together, if you want to have a more spiritual heart, I hope you do, what if, in order to do that, you made more spiritual choices with your money? You see, if I put my money there, guess what's going to come along? My heart, because they're tied together. Acting like a trusted manager of God's resources, making good choices with them, making spiritual choices with those resources, will help me to have a more spiritual heart. Your heart and your money are tied together. And so to have a more spiritual heart, we need to make more spiritual decisions with our money. Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. You know, you and I use that word talent uh, in the sense of ability. But that wasn't how he was talking about it. In fact, talent was a, 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 cur a unit of currency. In fact, it was the largest denomination of currency at the time. And so when in that parable, the master, representing God, brings in that first servant and entrusts to him five talents, that was a large sum of money. And then to the second one, he entrusted two talents, a large sum of money as well, not as much as the five, but certainly a large sum. And then to the third one, he entrusted one. You see, even in his parables, Jesus is talking about money. And the, the, what we see in that parable is ultimately the master determined their faithfulness by how wise they were with what they did with what he had entrusted to them. You follow that? And so to the one, to the one who had five and he used it wisely and he doubled it, he said, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. To the one who had two, didn't start with as much, but he also was, but he was still wise. He still did the things that the master would want, and he doubled those. And so the master said to him, what? The same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. But then he brought that one in. What did he say to him? That one that didn't do anything with it. The one that made an excuse. He said, oh, I know you're a hard man, and so I didn't want to lose it, so I just buried it. Anybody believe that? No. He, he was just lazy. He didn't do anything with it. And as a result of that, what did the master say to him? You wicked fool. Wow. That's, some, that's a serious charge that the master made against the one 
who wasn't doing with the master's resources what the master wanted him to do. Doesn't take a lot to connect the dots to how that relates to us, does it? We need to think like a godly servant, but then begin to act like a trusted manager of the things that God has entrusted to us. We can be both cheerful and generous because we know that God will bless our efforts through our finances. This morning we heard read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. I want to go back to that passage and share with you just a few things from that that give us some guidance on keeping our financial management uh, on track. Okay, uh, The first thing we see in that passage is that when it comes to our giving, it should be regular. Now in that passage, he says on the first day of the week. Uh, this was, I think, contextually, it was from a convenience standpoint. While you're already together on the first day of the week, this is when you should give, give regularly. Um, someone would say, well, what if I only get paid once a month? What if I only get paid twice a month? Well, you're still on a regular, you're still on a regular basis giving. It keeps us in the habit of giving. Uh, I, I only get paid once a month, but we give every week. I would prefer to just be in the habit of giving every week. And, um, and he says that we're to give regularly. A second thing that we see about our giving is that it is personal. He says in that passage, let each one of you, let each one of you. So it really doesn't matter what the person next to us is giving. Maybe they're generous. It doesn't matter if the budget is being met. One time while I was in local work still, I was teaching, just teaching a Bible class. And, and I think the, the text or the passage or something had to do with giving. Maybe it was this passage. I don't know. And we talked about it a few minutes. Finally, a man raised his hand and said, I don't know why we're talking about this. We're meeting the budget. Well, we were meeting the budget, but that didn't have anything to do with anything, does it? We could be meeting the budget collectively, but I'm not doing what I ought to be doing. And so it's a personal responsibility that each one of us has to the God who entrusted us with what we have. A third thing about um, giving that he tells us in this passage is, that it should be systematically. Uh, let me say it this way also, in a planned way. He says in that passage that we should set aside. There has been intentionality involved in this. Uh, we've prayed about it. We've actually done the math, so to speak. We know what is generous. We, we, we have sought God's wisdom in this and His His. Um, for him to be pleased in it. And so we choose to systematically, intentionally, in a planned way, give. And then one more thing he says in this passage that I think is helpful to us is that we are to give proportionately. Uh, he says that it is as you have prospered in keeping with our income. And so maybe sometimes the income isn't what it, it was. And so that affects how much we can give. Sometimes it's more. Uh, and so whatever that is, it is in proportion to how we've been prospered. I, let me say this also. I, I encourage church members to do this because it's something we just don't think about sometimes. But I want you to think with me about um, including the church, the, 
God's priorities in your estate planning. Just imagine that in any given congregation, in the course of a year, we lose two or three, four, five members to death. And let's just, for you know, ease, ease of comparison, let's say that th- each one of those was giving $100 a week to the Lord's priorities. Well, in the, in the course of a year, a lot of resources that had been given for ministry now are missing. Just imagine, add that up over the course of five years. How many dollars that had been available for ministry now are not there anymore? So what I would like to encourage you to at least think about is to include the Lord's priorities in your will, in your estate. Uh, and hopefully you'll be a lot around a lot longer, but none of us ever know, do we? But it would be good to know to have the peace of mind that when I do go, at least in this way as well, my life will continue to be uh, in the priority of what God wants. So think about that uh, as you think about your own finances. You know, this is the time of the year where we we set our budgets and we get our, our planning in order. It's a good time to think about that as well. One day a man's friend asked him, he said, hey, how's it going? What have you been up to this week? And the man answered, he said, well, on Monday I did some hurricane relief work on the coast of Florida. On Tuesday I taught in a preacher training school in the Philippines. And on Wednesday I conducted Bible studies in the jungles of South America. And on Thursday I showed compassion and provided medical care at a clinic in Zimbabwe. On Friday, I visited an orphanage in India. And at that point, the man's friend said, stop, stop. I don't, even in our world of ease of travel, I don't believe a word of what you're saying. There's no way you've done all of that this week. And the man said, oh, yes, I, in fact, I did. You can see, because every Sunday, I give as I've been prospered. And I give generously to the church so that it can be used for all of those things to the glory of God. That's a brilliant way to think about it. So I'm thinking like a godly servant. And then I'm going to act like a trusted manager. And then one more thing we need to do as we plan to be a generous giver is we need to think like a precious heir or feel like a precious heir of God. We are a child of the master. That master that gave those talents, those resources to the servants, we're not his slave, we're his child. Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. And as an heir of the master, there's two things he wants to do for us, two things that God wants to do for us. First of all, he wants to prove us. God wants to prove us. He wants to see where our priorities are. Going back to Matthew chapter 25, to that lazy servant that didn't do what he should have, uh, the Lord said to him, well, to the good ones, he said, well done. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then to the, the one who did not do what he should have done he called him a wicked fool 
You see, when the master left those resources with those managers, he found out, he proved each one of them. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I believe. You don't have to buy it yet, but think about it. I believe that God gives us resources and then uses those to prove what our priorities really are. I think he does. And I'll tell you part of the reason I think that is because I don't have anything that God really needs. Do you? I mean, God created everything, and he could theoretically create more. And everything I have came from him in the first place. In reality, anything I give him, he doesn't need. Even to accomplish the things we do with the resources we have, he could somehow work out to do those without those resources, right? Are you with me? And if all of that's the case, then why does he give me resources and then let me choose what to do with them? I only have one logical explanation to that question. And that is that he gives us resources and he lets us choose what to do with them and it proves where our priorities really are and where our heart really is. 1 Timothy 6.18 Let them do good. They that be rich in good works. God wants you to be rich in good works. Ready to give and willing to share. See, God wants us to be rich in good works, willing to share, and to know what really matters in this life. And that helps us be like Jesus. But there's another thing that our Father wants to do for us. Yes, He gives us those things to prove us. There's a second thing that He wants to do for us. He wants to provide for us. God wants to provide for us. And He does, doesn't He? 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Everything we have has come from Him and He provides for us. He wants us to have these things and He wants us to enjoy them. Because I'm often in cultures where uh, people are, are living in poverty. Sometimes people will ask me, don't you, just, don't you feel guilty? Don't you feel guilty knowing what you have and what they don't have? And you know everybody has to sort that out. And I'll tell you, years ago I really struggled with it. But, but what I know now is that I'm not the source of my blessings. He is. I'm no better than anyone who has less. No worse than anyone who has more. I can't even tell you why I'm blessed as richly as I am, but I do know that He wants me to enjoy them. And He wants me to be wise with them, and He wants me to use them in ways that honor Him and demonstrate His priorities. He wants to provide for all of us. We heard read a minute ago the story where Jesus was watching the people put the money in, the, the 
hot as they were going into the temple. And there was that one widow who put in everything she had. She only had two coins, put in both. Let me ask you this. What happened to that woman after that? Have you ever considered that? Here was a, a widow who didn't, so she didn't have someone to take care of her. She was old, unlikely to be able to provide for herself. She now had no money. What happened to her? She just went home and died of starvation, right? Is that what happened? It's okay to move your head. Which, which direction do you think you want to move your head? Did she just go home and die of starvation? Oh, oh we actually got some. No, you don't think so? Why not? I mean, she went home with nothing. How did she not just go home and eventually die of starvation? God provided her. Isn't that amazing? Here's what's even more amazing. When it comes to somebody else, God provides. I've never yet met anyone who thought that woman went home and died. We are all convinced that somehow God took care of her and he provided. But when it comes to me, oh, hey, got to be careful, you know. Only got so much of that stuff to go around, and I'll give a little bit every now and then. But, hey, I mean, a man's got to be really wise, right? You ever notice how that works? If it's somebody else, God provides. If it's me, I've got to be careful. It's a bit inconsistent, isn't it? The truth is God provides. He's provided until now. Why would we not expect him to continue to provide? And what if, what if it really is as he says it is in that he blesses us in proportion to our generosity? He said to, the, to them in Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe and I'll do what? I'll open up, I'll bless you till it's overflowing. Luke 6, 38 you give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, flowing over into your lap. What he's saying is you cannot outgive me. And again, we in fear we say, God bless me and I'll be generous. And God's saying, no, I've already blessed you. You be generous and I'll bless you some more. That's what it means to feel like a precious heir. God loves us. He, he wants to prove us where is our heart. That's where our treasure is. And he wants to provide for us. And therefore, he has given us everything we can ever need. We're blessed. And if we're going to be generous, we need to think like a godly servant. We need to act like a trusted manager. If someone managed your resources the way you manage God's resources, would you keep giving them more? And we need to feel like a precious heir. Bob McCoon was a U.S. congressman. And he told the story one time of taking his children to eat at a fast food restaurant. And, uh, and he, he, they got the burgers and the fries. And he put them down on the table. And, and he sat down. And his youngest son, who was a boy at the time, was across from him. And the congressman said, he reached over to take a french fry 
off of his son's tray, and to his surprise, his son, the little boy, grabbed his hand, pushed it away, and said, don't touch my fries. Well, he thought about that, sat stunned in silence, actually, and then would later write about it. And that's what I want to share with you now as we close. He said, what happened? <laughs> he asked himself, what just happened there? And then he thought these things. Number one, my son doesn't know where those fries came from. Number two, he doesn't realize that about five minutes ago, I went up to the counter, put my hand in my pocket, took my money out, and bought those fries. I am the source of those fries. Number three, he said, my son doesn't understand that if I wanted to, I could take all of those fries from him. Number four, he doesn't realize that if I wanted to, I could go back to the counter and buy a dozen order of orders of fries and cover him in fries. He says next, what he doesn't know is I don't even need his fries. If I wanted to, I could go back to the counter and buy my own fries. And then he concluded with this poignant statement. He said, what I really wanted from my son was his willingness to share with me what I had already given to him. That's all the Father wanted. Do you think it's any less with our Father? What He really wants is for His children to be willing to share, to give back in a generous way to the one who has already given to us. And to give back in a generous way that supports the things that are important to Him. You know, oftentimes when someone has passed and the survivors are trying to figure out what to do and they're making decisions, one of the main questions that always people ask is, what do you think he would want us to do? Or we're, we're going to do this with these resources because this is what he would want us to do with it. It's a wise question to ask in that moment, isn't it? But now let's think about the resources that we have from our God. What is it that he would want us to do with them? We know the answer, but it requires to be, us to be selfless. It requires sometimes for us to have to change our priorities a little bit, but we know the answer, don't we? We can be, we can be generous. We can be cheerful. We can be, uh, we can be all of those things if we will think like a godly servant, act like a trusted manager, and feel like a precious heir. Today, you can also become a member of God's family greatest gift of all is the fact that Jesus was given for us. He is the greatest gift. 